Hey everyone, welcome to the As You Are podcast. Wow, I cannot believe it's already mid-semester. Halloween is tomorrow, it's insane. But we've had so much fun at our worship nights. We've been to UNC, USC, and Bama. UGA, we're coming for you. But Anna has an incredible talk from those nights that we recorded, and we wanted to share with you here on the podcast, just so you can have it. Hope you enjoy. Hey guys, how's it going? My name is Anna, and I am so excited to be here with y'all tonight. Um, This is such a privilege, like, I can't even begin to explain it. It's such a joy to be here and to see each one of y'all. Just to kind of tell you a little bit about myself, so you're not like, who the heck is that girl up there? Uh, Like, obviously, I don't know most of you, you don't know me, Um, but I work part-time for As You Are, and it is like the best thing ever. Um, As You Are is such a joy in my life. I got involved because after college, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia. I'm originally from Virginia, but yeah, moved down to Atlanta after college, met my husband. We actually moved to Athens, and that's where UGA is, so that's how I got involved with As You Are. Um, But this past spring, my husband and I moved to Richmond to be closer to my family. So, like I said, originally from Charlottesville. And most of, I'm one of four. I'm the youngest of four, okay? So, I don't know if any, there's any youngest siblings out here, but I get it. Youngest siblings, I love it. Anyways, my brother and I were really close growing up. I have two older sisters as well, but... Matthew is only, that's my brother's name, he's only about a year and a half older than me, so like, you can imagine when we were little, we were like friends, you know? Um, We were such good friends that we actually called each other our best buddies. So I would say like, Matthew, you're my best buddy, and he would be like, Anna, you're my best buddy, and it was really cute when we were like three or five years old, three and four years old. But then somewhere along the lines, Matthew started realizing like, Hmm. I think I could use this to my advantage. And he would say things to me like, Anna, if we don't play basketball, you won't be your best buddy. And little three-year-old Anna is like, okay, like, well, I can't lose my best buddy. Like, what in the world would I do if Matthew wasn't my best buddy? So I would do literally whatever he said. I mean, it went on for, like, years. Uh, He would be like, Anna, if you don't get me a cookie from the kitchen, I won't be your best buddy. Anna, if we don't play soldier, like I wanna play Barbies, he's like, no, we're gonna play this game instead, or I won't be your best buddy. And one day, Matthew, again, he has three sisters, so I don't totally blame him for this, but he said, Anna, if you're not a boy, I can't be your best buddy. And I thought, well, crap. What am I going to do about that one? You know, like, everything else I could just fix myself and make sure I didn't lose my best buddy. But, like, he said I have to be a boy? How the heck am I going to do that? Because it was traumatic. I literally was like, he's my best buddy. Like, what in the world am I going to do about this? So at night, my dad would come in and pray. My mom would, too. Like, pray with us before bed and be like, do you have anything you want to pray for? This night, I said, yeah, I sure do. I have a prayer request. And my dad says that I opened my arms wide. And I said, God, with your magical powers, make me a boy. (laughs) And it didn't work, obviously. I am a girl, and Matthew and I still remain friends. I mean, like, he's still one of my best friends. But in the moment, it was, like, very 
I was jarred by it, you know? I wanted to make sure I wasn't gonna lose my best buddy. And I tell you all that story because it's a little bit funny and it kind of, you get to know me a little bit, but also because I think sometimes, y'all, that's like how we live our lives, is we are so afraid of dis disappointing the people around us, or we're so afraid of not getting the grade that we should get, or letting our family down, letting our friends down, and it leads to this constant striving and anxiety and stress, and we're trying so hard, and it's exhausting. I don't know if any of y'all feel that, but this, I have at least felt this the past few months of just feeling like, wow, I'm exhausted. I feel like I'm working so hard, and I'm tired. And just like little three-year-old Anna was so nervous and scared of losing my best friend, I think we do the same thing. And then we're operating from this place of fear and striving. Y'all, striving, I wrote down the definition because I knew I wouldn't remember it. Striving literally means to make great effort, to struggle or fight vigorously. To struggle or fight vigorously. I don't think I want to live my life that way all the time. And don't get me wrong, y'all, like there is a place for working hard. That's not what I'm saying. But when we are working hard and trying to constantly earn the approval of the people around us, more often than not, we come up short. And the reality is we also, I think, do this with Jesus. We're trying so hard to win his approval or to do all the right things because we're afraid that he might look at us and say, nope, mm-mm, you screwed up. I don't love you anymore. You haven't worked hard enough. I don't love you anymore. And I want to invite y'all tonight to take a breath. To be in the moment. Be in the here and the now. Don't think about what you did today. Don't think about what you have coming tomorrow. Just be here. And slow the pace. Our heart behind these nights really is that it would be a breath of fresh air. And so that's my prayer for y'all. That tonight would lift your spirits, but that it would also be a reminder for you to slow down a little bit. Especially in college. I mean, y'all, there's so many things like pulling for your attention, whether it's sorority or your boyfriend or your friends or your grades. And like I said, all of those things are really, really, really good. Okay? They're all really good but when we are defining ourselves by how those things say like whatever they say about us a lot of times we're left feeling really empty or stressed and anxious so we're gonna read a story tonight from the book of luke which luke um if you're not super familiar with the bible it's in the new testament it's one of the gospels and a gospel is uh, there's four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're really just the books of the Bible that tell us about what Jesus did while he was here on earth. Um, so this is from the book of Luke, and 
Jesus is with his 12 disciples. So his disciples were like his 12 besties. And they are traveling to Jerusalem, okay? So on foot, obviously. There was no cars or trains or planes. They were walking. And they come to a friend's house to stay the night. So that's where we're going to pick up the story, okay? So it says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to his teaching. So I'm going to pause there to kind of, so we can get our bearings, okay? So we've got Jesus and his 12 disciples. They're traveling to Jerusalem. They stop on their way at Martha's house. And it says that Martha is welcoming them into her home. So she's probably doing a lot of preparation and all of this stuff. And Jesus is teaching. And Martha's sister Mary is sitting listening. In those days, it wasn't weird. Like, if somebody came into your house, especially somebody like Jesus, who was a teacher and a rabbit, like, that wasn't weird to, like, sit and teach. That's what people did. So Mary's sitting, listening. Um, and just a little backstory: Martha and Mary also have a brother named Lazarus. So if you ever, if you're reading the Bible ever and you hear about Lazarus, that's their brother, which is really cool. So it's a little, like, nugget. You can tuck it away for later, and you'll be reading someday. You'll be like, oh, I remember. That's Martha and Mary. And their brother, Lazarus. So it says, Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to Jesus and said, Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. I don't know about y'all, but like I said, three older siblings. If I was asked to do the dishes growing up, and my brother wasn't, or my sisters weren't, you better believe. I would say, well, what are they going to do? Fine, I'll do, the, I'll do the silverware, they do the plates. Does anybody else have that? Like, we would split up the dishwasher, okay? I always had the silverware, which I think it was because I was the youngest, but now I hate putting away the silverware. I think it's so annoying. <laughs> um, when I have somebody over to my house, I'm going to, like, clean it up. This is, this is like a toxic trait. Cleaning it up and then being like, sorry, it's a mess. Anybody do that? Anybody? Yeah, me. It's me. And then my husband, Everett's like, it's not a mess. We spent 12 hours cleaning the house. Like, don't tell them it's a mess. Literally, we scrubbed the toilets. Um, but Martha is having Jesus and his 12 best friends over to her house. Of course, she's going to be working really hard to get it all ready. So I want you to put yourself in Martha's shoes for a second, okay? Think about your sibling. And if you were working really hard and they're just sitting there and you're like, what the heck? I think Martha gets a really bad rep, but I also know that I see a lot of myself in Martha. I also love, in my, like, again, I like to kind of put myself in the story and try and imagine what's really going on. And I think maybe, I don't know, maybe Martha pulled Jesus off to the side. Maybe she was like, I'm not going to embarrass my sister. Like, let me just like pull Jesus off to the side. This is not in the Bible. This is Anna's imagining what's happening in the scene, okay? Um, maybe Martha's like, I don't want to embarrass my sister. I'm just going to pull Jesus off to the side and be like, hey, don't you see, like, I'm working pretty hard over here. Like, do you think you can tell Mary to help me? But I want you guys to hear what Martha says. She says, do you not care? Do you not care? And I think... 
At least I know I do this. I think I ask Jesus that a lot too. Can't you see how hard I'm working? That's really what she's asking. Can't you see how hard I'm working? Don't you care how much it's weighing on me? Help, help me. It's a cry for help. She's saying, don't you care? Can't you see me? And we often ask Jesus the same thing. Don't you care that I'm striving and that I'm working so hard? Don't you care that I'm trying to be there all the time for my family? I don't know about y'all. Like for me, that's what it is right now. We just moved back to Virginia. I love my family to death, but it feels like every other weekend they need me for something. Maybe you have family like that. Maybe you have friends like that, and it can feel so exhausting. And we're asking Jesus, don't you care? Help me. Please help me. And I love how Jesus responds to her. Because it'll show you that, in matter of fact, he does care. He cares a lot. It says, but Jesus answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I'm going to read that again. But Jesus answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Y'all, in those days when somebody said your name twice, it wasn't, it was a sign of intimacy. So I think sometimes when we read that and we see Martha, Martha, like you can kind of think of it, and if I'm reading that, in my own like lens, I might think that he's being condescending and being like, Martha, Martha. But it's not. When you say somebody's name twice in that culture, it meant it was a sign of intimacy. It was a sign of showing how much he loves Martha. He's saying, Martha, Martha. So the first two words that come out of his mouth is telling Martha, yeah, I do care and I love you so much. I love you more than you know. And then his next words are, you are anxious and troubled about many things. <clears throat> Y'all, Jesus doesn't belittle Martha's anxieties. He doesn't belittle the situation in front of her. He acknowledges it. He says, I see you striving. And then he wants to turn her attention to something better. And that's, I think, what he wants to do for us tonight, too. He's saying, I, yes, I see how hard you're working. I see how the effect that it's taking on you. I see the stress and anxiety, and I want you to look to me because it's better. And it will not be taken away. Mary has chosen what is better, and it won't be taken away. Everything else in our lives can be taken away. Like, truly, when I think back to college, like, and again, you guys, y'all are at UNC. I know you're all studying hard, okay? I'm not worried about that. Um, you guys are all very smart, and I know you are. But when I look back, like, some of my classes, I don't remember the grade I got. I still worked and studied hard, because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to work hard. But ultimately, now, six years out of college, the only thing that's, like, remained with me is my relationship with Jesus. 
I'm not a student in a, at a university anymore. And that's great. That's what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to graduate and get a great job and do other things. But I hope that that can relieve some of the pressure. There's so much pressure. And only one thing cannot be taken away. And you know what's crazy? We don't know how Martha responds. Like, the story just ends after that. We don't know if Martha's like, you just don't get it. You can't, you clearly, you don't see. We don't know if she says that. We don't know if she says, oh, okay, you're right. Like, I'm not going to worry about that right now. I'm going to come and sit and listen to what you have to say. We don't know. And I love that because it leaves it open-ended for us. We get to choose how we want to respond. We get to choose if we want to continue striving and letting the stress and anxiety define us. Or if we want to listen to what Jesus has to say. On the night before Jesus died, well, before he was arrested, he had his 12 best friends in a room with him. And I don't know about y'all, but if it was... If I knew that like the next day or in a couple days I was going to die and I had all my best friends and my family in a room together, the words that I would say to them would be pretty important. I would think pretty clearly about what those words were. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, here's a list of all the things I need you to do while I'm gone. He doesn't say that. And Jesus doesn't go out into the street and try and heal as many sick people as he can. He's not trying to get a ton of stuff done on his last night. What he does is he tells his disciples. It's in John 15. He says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me. Those are the final words that he leaves his disciples with. And abide, maybe you're like, what does that even mean? Some other translations say remain, say remain with remain in me, stay with me. Because Jesus knew that life was gonna get hard and those stresses and anxieties were gonna come. And so he's saying, remain in me. Life is gonna get hard, remain in me. Family troubles are gonna come, remain in me. School's gonna be really hard, remain in me. Relationships with your friends might feel rocky, but remain in me. Because I am the only thing that can't be taken away from you. I think sometimes we think of our relationship with Jesus just like little three-year-old Anna was afraid of losing her best buddy. I think sometimes that's what we do with Jesus and we think of it more as a job than a relationship. Like we think of all these things that we need to do to like be a good Christian. And those things are good, but Jesus... The heart of it is remain in me. Because if we're not remaining in him, it's got, it all kind of falls flat. Because he is who gives us life and energy. And maybe you're like, what does it even look like to remain in Jesus? I don't know what that means. <laughs> and I would tell you, let's look at Mary. She's literally just sitting at Jesus' feet. It just means spending time with them. If you're like, I don't even know how to begin to read my Bible, I would love to invite you to read the book of John. That's my favorite book of the Bible. And it just tells you what Jesus did while he was here. 
Also, get in, get plugged into a Bible study. Maybe there's a Bible study you went to freshman year and now you're a senior and you haven't been back. Go back. Just like that's wonderful. Get involved with girls that you know love the Lord. And just say, hey, I don't really understand what this looks like, but I want to try because I'm exhausted. And what I've been trying, what I've been trying to define myself by is not working. I just want to remind you that a relationship with Jesus is just that. It's a relationship. It's not a job. And I want to invite y'all tonight to slow the pace, to slow down to let all those other things be good and important, but for them to have their rightful place. And for you to know that Jesus loves you, that he cares you, that he sees each stress and anxiety and says, yeah, I see it. Come to me because I love you and I want to lift that burden. Abide in me and I in you. That's the invitation that Jesus has for us tonight. Thank you guys for listening today. We're just so honored to have you here with us in this little space on our podcast. If you are not involved with an As You Are group and you want to be, just shoot us an email. It's just asyouareteam at gmail.com. And UGA, if you haven't heard yet, your worship night is November 9th at The Graduate. So we'll see you there.